shall see him through his own redeeming love for that child so dear and gentle is our lord in heaven above and he leads his children Welcome to another Christmas edition of Outside the Walls. Yes, you're not hearing it wrong. It is Christmas. It's the seventh day of Christmas. Not over yet. We've got 12 days. Go all the way to Epiphany. And actually, we get to go until we celebrate the baptism of the Lord. So here we are gathered together to explore the foundations of our faith and look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Well, I hope your Christmas tree's still up. I hope that you are still enjoying the festivities. We're in the middle of a feast, the Feast of Christmas, one of the largest feasts in the Christian year. And uh, it goes on all the way to Epiphany. Now, Epiphany is 12 days after Christmas, right? That's our 12 days of Christmas. But uh, the way that the, the calendar is working, they've pushed that feast to a Sunday. So we're going to take it really a full two weeks all the way until uh, January 8th. And then beyond that, uh, the day after that's the baptism of the Lord. And that's really the official end of the Christmas season. So uh, so you don't have to take down, if you're, if you're feeling like you're slacking off because your tree's still up, your decorations are still up, don't don't feel bad. You're tell people you're participating in the full life of uh, of the Christmas season, which actually is just beginning. We just got through Advent, we celebrated Christmas, and this coming week, tomorrow, is the octave of Christmas. So we have these eight days of major celebration, major partying, and then the season continues after that. We can calm down a little bit, uh, reduce the the level of eggnog intake after the eight days. Uh, but we get to keep celebrating Christmas all the way until we get to the baptism of the Lord on this year, on January 9th. But it's really interesting what the church gives us immediately after Christmas Day. Uh, we go straight to martyrdom because we're reminded by that, that the incarnation of Christ, yes, it brings us redemption. It brings us reconciliation with God, but it also requires from us a certain sense of martyrdom, whether that be uh, just by offering the whole of our lives spiritually and emotionally, or whether it actually be a physical martyrdom. So right after the day after Christmas is not Boxing Day, as some would have you believe, but it's St. Stephen's Day. Uh, St. Stephen, of course, is the first martyr. Uh, He was a deacon in the early church. You can read his story in the book of Acts. Uh, And then right after that, we have the, the day, the feast day of John the Evangelist, who was not martyred, but who was exiled and spent uh, his later years away from the community that he loved. And then the next day, we go to, on the 28th, we have the Feast of the Holy Innocents. And this is uh, those children who were martyred before uh, before the redemption of the world through the cross. These are the ones who lived in Bethlehem, who were murdered by Herod before Jesus escaped into Egypt. And so because they died for Christ... They're considered by the church to be martyrs, and uh, and then we continue on with our with our octave of Christmas. So tomorrow we not only celebrate New Year's Day, the day that societally we traditionally make our New Year's resolutions and we determine to do life a little bit differently this year than we did last year, uh, but we also come up on the octave of Christmas, that great big, huge, massive feast day, uh, and so uh, we're going to look at today. A little bit of both about how do we in this new year 
change the way we live our lives, but doing so in light of the incarnation, right? Today is that big feast day of, of the octave, that, that one-week celebration, that eighth day of Christmas. So um, this year, uh, I've, I've got a couple of resolutions myself, and, and I've heard recently, I actually heard this year, that resolutions tend to stick better if we do them in December instead of January, because there's also all this pressure in January to get your resolution down and to do it and to do it perfectly. And, you know, we're still kind of slogged down from all that extra food over the holiday season. And from, I, I have no idea if this is true or not, but uh, something that I read said that resolutions take better if you start them in December. And so I, I think this is really interesting. Um, and, and something I'm going to try next year, uh, this is my resolution for this year is to try this next year. Uh, when you come around to the first week of Advent, it's right after Thanksgiving, it's still in November most of the time. And, uh, and that week is recognizing that all is not right with the world. That's where we do our, our examination. And then week two is the week that we get all of these scriptures around repentance, right? To turn our life around. So maybe that week, that second week of Advent, that generally in the first week of December, maybe that's when we make our resolutions. And maybe they'll stick a little bit better as we walk ourselves through that Advent season, celebrate Christmas, and then we've got a, a fresh start. Because really, New Year's in the, in the church calendar is Advent. So you can still call it your New Year's resolution, even though it comes calendrically for us at the end of the year, right? So I'm going to try that next year, and I'll, I'll tell you how it works. Uh, but this year, I, I've, I'm endeavoring to do something um, that I, I think is going to be a challenge, because I've, I've read through the Bible when I was a Protestant, and so I, I missed a few books. And I've tried to go back and catch up on a couple of them, and I've you know, I've read through most of Sirach, but, you know, I'm still missing out on the really good, solid, whole experience of Scripture. So uh, this year, the Coming Home Network, those are the guys that put out the Journey Home television show on EWTN, uh, they have this PDF. And if you become a member of the Coming Home Network, uh, it can be yours for free, or you can down, uh, you can um, order them for a very small amount of money. Uh, they have this guide to reading the whole Bible and the whole catechism in a year. And I'm going to do it. My wife and I, we've decided that uh, that's going to be something we're going to do together. And a lot of times when you do a resolution, it's really helpful to do it with someone, not just because um, you have accountability, but I, you know, I find that if I have someone to process what I've read or someone to process what I've done with, uh, because I'm a verbal processor, that I do a lot better. So this year, in addition to uh, our bedtime routine that we do with the kids of either Compline or the readings of Mass or whatever we do, we're going to go through this this uh, PDF put out by Coming Home Network, chnetwork.org, uh, and we're going to read through the whole Bible and the whole catechism in a year. And uh, I invite you to do it with me. Just go over to chnetwork.org, uh, go through that process of becoming a member, um, and download that thing. Or you can also go to their shop and I think it's like a dollar per insert. It's not much. And maybe you want to get a group of people from your church to do it with you. Uh, some, some other parents, you know, while the kids are in RE and you have nothing else to do, um, maybe you all sit down and talk about what you, what you noticed in scripture that week, what you noticed in the catechism that week and have your own little time over coffee and donuts to, uh, 
to kind of break down your week. And so those are a dollar a piece, I think, over on chnetwork.com. And that's something that I'm going to do this year. And uh, something else I'm going to do, I'm going to try to pick a book per month. A, a book of, because I, I, I read a lot for, for work. I read a lot to kind of get a sense of who we're interviewing. But I don't necessarily read for my own enrichment and pleasure. So this year I'm going to do that. I've got I've got a whole stack of books that I've purchased that uh, that I've just never gotten around to. I want to read the Infancy Narratives by uh, by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, uh, the whole of his Jesus series. Uh, just a bunch of stuff that's on my list that I've not yet read. And so that's that's something that as I take Christmas into the rest of the year, uh, that's something I'm going to participate in doing. What are you going to do this year? What are you going to do that will make this year different? Uh, a lot of people have been saying that 2016 was just an awful year. And uh, it, I guess it depends on the way you look at it. Uh, it's been a difficult year for my family. We moved away from the Diocese of Tulsa there in Oklahoma that we love and still just absolutely have fond, dear affection for uh, both the diocese and and all the people that are there. Uh, a lot of our favorite priests in the whole wide world are still right there in the Diocese of Tulsa. Uh, and so we left there. We went and we took a job in Texas that didn't pan out the way we expected for it to. Uh, and then, then ended up moving up to Kentucky. And, you know, it's just been a little bit of being unsettled and and. I call it our protracted advent, right? That that longing for the redemption of Christ, that longing for things to be set right. And that's really been our whole year. And so I, I figure if this year has been our advent, I'm really hoping that next year, 2017, will be our great big huge Christmas where we uh, find the redemption, that we find God in all of the difficult places. You know, that, that's what Christmas is, right? You find God... Uh, in a manger. You find God um, uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes. You find God uh, away from the fanfare of the temple and in the arms of a young mother, right? And so we're hoping that this next year, as we come into 2017, our family, we find uh, God in those unexpected places. Now, another thing that happens at the end of the year is people are looking for those last-minute tax deductions. Well, have I got a deal for you. For, for a limited time, you can become a friend of the show tax with a tax deduction. Uh, our co-producers over at St. Michael Catholic Radio, uh, knowing the year that we've had, have offered our family the opportunity to, to receive a gift from them th- through you. So basically what they've done is they've opened up as, uh, as part of their partnership with Outside the Walls, they've opened up a, an account where if you donate to St. Michael Catholic Radio through Outside the Walls, they will bring that gift to us and give you the tax break. You can find out more information over at OutsideTheWalls.com slash F-O-T-S. That's friend of the show. OutsideTheWalls.com slash F-O-T-S. Uh, I hope you take the advantage This is the last day you can get that tax deduction for the 2016 year. Just go right over, take a look at it. Any amount will help, and we'll enroll you in the friend of the show. Well, join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble of the Daughters of St. Paul about how to live the Christmas season to the fullest. We'll be right back. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
This is Timothy Putnam coming back to you with Outside the Walls. So glad you're here today. We're still here right in the middle of the, uh, tomorrow is the octave of Christmas. We're still celebrating the Christmas season all the way until Epiphany. Don't take that tree down yet. Uh, it still has to stay up. And really, it used to be through Epiphany. Now it's actually all the way through the baptism of the Lord because we've split up Epiphany and the, the different things that it represents and entails. So you can go a little bit further to the baptism of the Lord. This year, that only gets you one extra day. Some years, it gets you a little bit more. We're sitting here, we're talking with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble of the Daughters of St. Paul. Uh, happens to be my oldest, uh, my, my daughter's godmother, uh, and so my daughter was just in here having a, a lovely little conversation before we went on the air. Uh, but we're, we're here to talk about how to live out the fullness of the Christmas season. So T- Sister Teresa, thank you for being here today. Thanks for inviting me on, Timothy. And I'll tell you, we have quite an affinity in our family for the Daughters of St. Paul, because uh, obviously through our connection to you, uh, and our daughter is convinced that she wants to, we ask her, we, and I should have left her in here for this, uh, we say, um, what do you, where are you going when you turn 14? She says, oh, I'm going to the convent when I'm 14. <laughs> <laughs> and she either wants to be uh, a, a daughter of... Uh, daughter of Mary, mother of Israel's hope with Mother Miriam, or she wants to go and be a daughter of St. Paul. And I said, well, you know, they're very different charisms. You have very different uh, directions of, so really you should look at what your passions are and what God's gifted you with, and then find an order that that uh, in, really empowers you to do those things. But she's just convinced that she wants to go where she knows the people. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, she's welcome. <laughs> <laughs> At 14, really? Can I? No. <laughs> well, yeah, you, she'd have to wait a little bit longer. We oh, used okay. to accept 14-year-olds because we used to have a high school, but no longer. <laughs> okay. So uh, really, this Christmas, um, we, every Christmas, we do three gifts, right? We do the gold gift, the frankincense gift, and the myrrh gift. That's some present that is a toy, right? Something to play with, uh, something for their spiritual development, uh, and mm-hmm. something for uh, something for the body. So, you know... Uh, whether that be PJs or something or other. So that's the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And this year, uh, we got all of our frankincense gifts at uh, the Pauline Bookstore because there's something for every age, uh, whether it be for grown-up spiritual development, whether it be we, we got a book that basically you've got some theology of the body books that are made for toddlers. Yeah. Uh, just some fabulous stuff there. If you've never heard of the Pauline sisters, the Daughters of St. Paul, go right now. Pauline, it's pauline.org. Is that correct? Yes. Pauline? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Take a look at the book offerings they have there. One of those book offerings happens to be uh, a book by our guest today uh, called The the Prodigal You Love. Uh, and there's a subtitle there, which I've forgotten. So why don't you enlighten us? Yeah, Inviting Loved Ones Back to the Church. So, you know, th- this is that time of year where you encounter uh, those those people who maybe in your family or your friends that you don't see all the time, you know that they're far from the church. Uh, maybe that's you. Maybe you're far from the church. Uh, but there is a, a way that recognizes the dignity of that person. And that's something that I've always appreciated about you and your writing and uh, in your life story, that your primary interest is not about winning the argument. It's about winning the person. And I think we can forget that so often. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening probably, you know, came in contact with different people over this break. Um, some of them were away from the church and maybe someone listening is away from the church. And um, it's always a discernment, um, you know, in terms of what kind of conversations to have with people, 
whether to bring up um, faith issues. Um, I think it's something that everyone struggles with. You know, now that I'm in the convent, I don't go home for Christmas, but I still reach out to my family, you know, whether they're, they're um, whether they're practicing the faith or not. And I, I think Christmas is a really special time for people because they feel, um, I think people don't want to feel like Christmas is just about presents. And so they're, they're a little bit more open to the spiritual dimension of life. So I think there's real opportunities there. But of course, most people think that Christmas is over. Today, I you know, I went on Spotify to listen to Christmas music and it was already off the main menu and, you know, everyone's forgot, everyone's taking down their trees and taking down their lights. And so it's, it's sometimes it's hard to prolong that, that feeling of celebration when everybody else is done. Well, and, you know, it's especially hard when you have done your best not to listen to Christmas music over the season of Advent. You know, they started back at, at Halloween, but you, you've done your best. I, I, we, we do our best. We try to minimize the, the Christmas music. We, we've caved and we've started to do holiday music earlier that doesn't reference the, the nativity. But yeah. try to hold off on Christmas music, on the carols until Christmas, and then nobody else cares. I have to admit, I'm not very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> And I was commiserating with another sister because she actually, she's an editor for Pauline Books, and she listens to Christmas music whenever she's having difficulty editing a book. So it could be July, and she'll turn on Christmas music as she's editing a book because it just brings up these these uh, wonderful feelings of happiness for her. So, yeah, I have a hard time postponing the, the Christmas music until after Advent, but... Well, I, I, sometimes I try. <laughs> let's talk about this then. What, what is your favorite Christmas carol? Um, put you on the spot. You know, we have a beautiful uh, black hymnal that we call it the black hymnal because it happens to be black. But um, with with music that it has, you know, the normal Christmas carols, but it also has our charismatic songs. Mm -hmm. And there's beautiful carols in there. Um Every every year after Christmas Eve Mass, you know, it's usually we have about um, we'll we'll go downstairs and we have cookies and hot chocolate. And then some of us, you know, the real hardcore <laughs> sisters will go back up to the chapel and we'll take out our black hymnal and we'll sing our our, you know, we'll sing normal carols, but we'll also sing our charismatic songs. Some of them are translated from Italian and some of them are still in the Italian and we sing to baby Jesus. So we'll sing to baby Jesus in the chapel. Then we go outside the chapel and we end up, you know, this time the priest who celebrated mass for us was really excited to do it with us. And so he went around with us and we went to the first baby Jesus and we sang. And then we went to the second baby Jesus and we sang. Then we went to the third baby Jesus and we sang. And by that time, I think the priest was like, how many baby Jesuses do you have in this house? <laughs> I think we do about four or five baby Jesuses, and we we just all pick pick songs. We just yell out a number, and we all sing it, and it's great. I'm going to have to adopt that. That sounds just fabulous. Yeah, it's a great tradition. I really love it. Yeah. So now you, you mentioned some of the hardcore nuns. Most people would think that any nun is kind of hardcore. Well, we nuns like to go to bed early, so <laughs> <laughs> it's a real struggle, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Between that, I want to go to bed early and wake up early. and <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not all nuns, but yeah, there's a good well, number of us. 
but, but you also, I mean, I've been, I haven't been to a convent, but I've been to a couple of monasteries and, you know, they wake up at four 30 in the morning to do their first office. And that's, right. I'm, that's like, I see four 30 every once in a while, but it's, it's on the other end of it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. when I'm still awake, not when I'm trying to wake yeah. up. That's, yeah. um, <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk a little bit about, um, the, the Pauline sisters. It's a, a media apostolate. Uh, that you are taking the gospel using every form possible, uh, and that includes book media, it includes video. In fact, one of your sisters uh, pops up on my Facebook Live feed like three times a day uh, saying, hey, we're, we're about to do choir practice. Speaking of choir practice, y'all have, uh, you have uh, choral CDs, you've got all kinds of things that are out there, all for the purpose of sharing what you know about Christ with anyone who will listen in the, in the ways that society speaks today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our founder, you know, when he was a seminarian, it it was the turn of the century and um, from 1900 or 1899 to 1900. And he was, they were having a a night long um, adoration and he was in adoration and he was praying and he felt inspired by God to do something for the people of the new century. And he, he felt like there would be, um, it would be related to media. And at that point it was books. So, um, eventually after he was ordained and he started to, the the charism started to develop and he started to get more familiar with it. And he decided, um, this is blessed. I'm speaking of blessed James Alberione. He decided that Um, that God was calling him to start a congregation that was devoted to spreading the gospel using modern media. And at that time, you know, it was just books, radio, but then television came along. But he had this kind of prophetic, you know, vision of of that for the church, church's involvement in media. Because at the time that he had this idea, the church kind of had a very defensive attitude towards um, towards books. And, you know, it was, it was the time when they, when they were banning books and doing different things that were, it was kind of, you know, we need to be really cautious. And, and Blessed James Alberione agreed with that. He actually, um, when he was in seminary, he ended up getting kicked out and no one's really sure exactly how that happened. <laughs> but, um, some people, you know, di- people have different theories because he was never really open about it. But one theory was that he was reading too many books and some people think they're not sure whether it was novels or whether it was books that were on the banned list. And so they didn't think that that was wise. And so they, they asked him to leave. He eventually came back. But so he understood what, you know, uh, bad media could do to a person, you know, or the misuse of media. Um, but he also he also had a very uh, a very positive attitude about the media, too. Yeah. We're talking today with Sister Teresa Alethea. She is a daughter of St. Paul. You can find out more about them over at pauline.org. Find all of the, the, the offerings they have there, their books, their, their other media. And we're here celebrating the almost tomorrow, the octave of Christmas. Christmas is still going. We're going to talk about that just after this break. Go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. And we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. We're sitting here in the middle of the Christmas season. The Christmas season goes on all the way from Christmas Day to uh, to Epiphany, or to the Baptism of the Lord, which is just a little bit past that. Uh, and today, I am. Uh, we, we traveled over the holidays. We're staying in, in Colorado, so I'm looking at the sun uh, just over Pikes Peak. It's it's lovely. Uh, and we're talking today with Sister Teresa Alethea Noble of the Daughters of St. Paul. We're talking about the, the Christmas season. Uh, so many times, you know, you, you you go down on Christmas morning, you tear open your presents, and then there's this huge letdown of like, well, that was, it took me three days to wrap that stuff, and now it's over. It's, it's done. And uh, the church gives us two, well, nearly two weeks of Christmas to to really meditate on what Christmas is about, not just the baby Jesus coming and laying in a manger and the shepherds coming, the wise men coming, but the, the whole idea of what it means for God to become man, one of us, Emmanuel, God with us, the, the incarnation, the, the, the ransoming of all humanity, uh, the reconciling of, of man and woman to God. Uh, and so this is something that through the readings of the church, if you're reading along, uh, I, I do all my readings on usccb.org. It gives you the, the mass readings of the day. All of the, the breviary readings from church history, they're all dealing with this picture of Christ invading uh, enemy territory and coming and ransoming us back from the devil uh, and restoring us into relationship with him. Uh, and we're talking today with Sister Teresa Alethea, who is about that mission, uh, really, every day of the year. Uh, you've got a Christmas all year round. <laughs> so talk to us about what are some of the things that we can do uh, to really prolong uh, this season of joy and really realize that, okay, it's not over. It's actually just beginning. Now we're on the road to Easter, Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, Timothy, I thought about this a lot. Um, you know, as I live Lent, um, you know, when we when we live Lent, um, a, a kind of a season of penance, and then, then we have Easter, and Easter seems so long sometimes. By the time it's the season is over, I'm just ready for the lilies to be out of the church. I'm like, I'm so done with Easter. Mm-hmm. And, and I can feel that way with Christmas, too. Um, you know, Advent, I don't, I, I don't always give up something for Advent, but this Advent I did. And so I, I felt like really excited to be eating sugar again because I gave up sugar. And I've been feeling really excited I can eat chocolate again. And <laughs> But, you know, that feeling, it's so short, like that feeling of just like being so thrilled with, with Christmas being here and the penitential um, season being over. And I don't know, I've, I've meditated on that 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 feeling that, you know, as humans, we really don't know how to maintain joy. Like it's, it's a difficult thing to maintain joy in our lives. And how do you do that? And so I've thought about, um, I recently was meditating on Mary's Magnificat and I was just, you know, I'd read it and I was, I was sitting there and praying with it. And I was thinking about how I would feel if I were Mary. And I was kind of surprised to realize that I probably would have been complaining. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been like, 
here I am, I'm a teenager, I'm engaged to someone who might leave me because I'm pregnant and he has no idea how I got pregnant. And I'm visiting this, this cousin of mine and I just walked a really long ways and my legs are tired and I'm pregnant and I have morning sickness and I have no idea what's gonna, you know? And I was just, in my head, I was just thinking like, wow, I would have been so grumpy <laughs> if I were married. You know, and, and sure, an angel came and visited her, but an angel didn't come and visit everyone in her village and tell her what was going on. She was a pariah, everyone, you know, so so her life was difficult. She had no idea what was going to happen after that annunciation. Um, and so I was just thinking, but she came to Elizabeth and she, you know, she said the Magnificat, this beautiful song of praise to God. You know, and, and her life was not, it was not all rose, a bed of roses. It was difficult, but she was full of praise for God. And I just thought about that. And I thought, I want to have a heart like Mary. I want to be, I want to be full of praise for God, no matter what's happening in my life. I want to see how God is present. And so as Christmas, you know, began, the season began, I, I said to myself, okay, my penitential giving up sugar is over, but you know, my new penance for Christmas is to be joyful. And that's really a penance. Like it really is difficult. Like that fleeting joy of eating some chocolate and being happy, like that's that's fleeting. Or, you know, watching a TV show we like, that's fleeting. But like real joy that like we maintain throughout the day, despite like all of these things that we want to complain about, that we want to see negatively that the people that are bothering us all of these things our, our days are full of them um but maintaining joy throughout that that's that's a, requires discipline you know more discipline than not eating sugar <laughs> so so let's talk about this for a second because uh what you're sa saying sounds amazing uh and i want to know how are you planning on pulling it off what what <laughs> what is the discipline that you're going to engage in to infuse your day with joy? And how can the rest of us participate in that? Well, you know, first of all, I'm counting on God to help me out with this because I'm, I'm naturally kind of a melancholic, um, see the glass half empty kind of personality. So I'm kind of dramatic and intense. And so it's hard for me to be optimistic sometimes. And I, I think I think it's it's kind of a human thing. I think everyone has difficulty finding joy in their life and finding God's presence. But one of the one of the ways that I do it is in my general exam at the end of the day, um, St. Ignatius said, you know, you, you do you do ask God to show you the ways that you can improve your behavior. But the most important thing in your general exam is to be is to say, God, how are you present to me today? And I think that's you saw that in, in Mary's Magnificat, like she was um, recognizing God's presence to her in her own life, but also in salvation history. Like God was so present to her already. You know, he didn't have to be present in her womb for her to, to feel the presence of God. So that's one way. Another way is, um, and I do this with different things, but the particular exam is really helpful. And that what, what that basically is, is if you're trying to work on something in particular, like throughout your day, you just remind yourself, how am I doing on gossiping or how am I doing on greeting everyone I see or different things? So I'm doing a particular exam on joy. So whenever, you know, 
every couple hours. You can even set an alarm on your phone. Are you being joyful? <laughs> you know, and and so I've been asking myself, and I just make an effort to do it because sometimes I think we think happiness is all about having the right feelings, but happiness really is more about disciplining your feelings. You know, I feel like complaining right now. I feel annoyed at this person, but you know, my feelings are not me. I, I can discipline my feelings and I can find joy in this moment. Yeah. Okay. So now you've used a couple of terms here. You've used the, the general exam and the particular exam. These are examinations of conscience that are part of the Ignatian spirituality. Um, mm-hmm. But not everyone knows even how to approach that. So I know that you write for uh, the Alatia English Network, which I think is really appropriate given your your chosen name. Um, mm-hmm. What are the chances we could uh, twist your arm into writing uh, just a, a primer on doing the exam uh, over the course of the Christmas season? That's a good idea, actually. I, I need an idea for my next column, so look for it on Tuesday. <laughs> so on Tuesday, we'll go ahead and put a link to that on our social media. We'll link to this. So uh, if you are having trouble figuring out how to do this examination of conscience, now now you have something to look forward to. Right? And thanks for that idea. <laughs> I'm always looking for ideas for what to write for. All right, so we're talking about living the Christmas season and living intentionally uh, in joy. And, and some of that's just as, as uh, simple as realizing when you're not, right? You, you, you're going through the day and saying, oh, wow, I'm not joyful. Hmm. Uh, what, am I, what am I supposed to do about that? And just, you know, the, the psalmist uh, often came up to a place where he was not joyful, uh, how long, O oh Lord, are you going to leave us here forever? And, you know, this, the church is asking us to participate in this joy. Well, what the psalmist always did in those situations is he looked back at the history of God. Maybe I can't see God active in my life right now because everything's uh, turned upside down. But what has God done over the course of human history that can prove that he's faithful enough for me to say, okay, now I can rejoice in God for just a little while. Uh, and and trust that he's going to come through for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's. I I think one of the primary obstacles to joy is fear, and very often when we're feeling fear, it's because we're doubting whether God's going to come through for for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking towards the future and we're thinking, oh, you know, we think of all these bad possibilities that could happen, and we're not trusting in God. And it's not to say that God makes sure that everything good will happen to us, you know, that's not, but, but the attitude of faith really is to trust that God is going to be looking out for us no matter what. And the way that I try to, um, it gets better for me over time because I, I just acquire more evidence of God coming through for me in my life. And when I'm feeling fearful, I just run through those those instances in my mind, and it's, it helps me to trust in the future. Yeah. We've been talking with Sister Teresa Alethea today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me on, Timothy. Don't let your Christmas season be over. we still got a little bit of time left. We're going all the way to Epiphany, uh, January 8th. January 8th, and then to the Baptism Award, January 9th. There's just so much Christmas left to uh, to participate in. Why don't you go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, Twitter the handles at outside the walls. Tell me about your favorite Christmas recipe. I'm just in the mood. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Thanks for sticking around. Well, tomorrow, tomorrow is a triple threat. Tomorrow is a triple threat. We get the three, Pete. We get three wonderful things. We get one, uh, New Year's Day, right? We get uh, the beginning of our society's counting of the new year. Of course, the church calendar started the new year back at the first Sunday of Advent. But uh, but everyone around us, we're doing the new year right now. We turn over to 2017 tomorrow. My gracious. Uh, the second thing, it's the, the octave of Christmas. Eight days in, the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me, right? Uh, and so we have that celebration that's a, another big day of celebration in the life of the church. And third, we have the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, the Theotokos, the God-bearer. And so the, we've got three things that are pretty big all coinciding at once. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. Here, we've got New Year's Eve. Um, I am going to go out tonight with my wife on a date without the children. For the first time in I don't know how long months, uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty stoked about that. Honestly, uh, we're leaving the uh, the kids with their grandmother, and we're going to go and uh, spend a little bit of time in Colorado Springs, and then watch the fireworks on the top of Pikes Peak. Uh, we're not going to actually go to the top of Pikes Peak, but some people do. They hike up there every year. They take uh, fire fireworks with them, and then uh, light them. So we don't get to see the ball drop, but we do get to see fireworks on the top of Pikes Peak just just at the uh, the the bringing in the ringing in of the new year. So we're we're looking forward to that. Looking forward to having some time away from the kids. Of course, we have six kids. Yes, let that sink in. Six kids and one on the way. Just just in case you weren't sure that we were Catholic, right? <laughs> uh, that's exciting. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a great time. What are you gonna do? I want to know what your what you what's your routine for New Year's Eve? Why don't you come over to my social media and tell me? Facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. Uh, and tell me, what is your New Year's routine? What are you gonna do tonight? Uh, and then what what does tomorrow look like for you? So that's the scoop for us. Tomorrow, of course, is the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. And so we're going to do our readings today, both from the breviary and from church, uh, from Scripture. We're going to do our readings from tomorrow. Uh, eventually, here we'll get back to our Saturday readings, but uh, the feasts that have fallen on Sunday through Advent to now have just been so significant that we've gone ahead and skipped and done those readings for the Sunday. So we're going to do the reading, the second reading uh, from tomorrow. And it says this, it's from Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter four. Brothers and sisters, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to ransom those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons as proof that you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir through God. That's the reading from the book of Galatians. And I want to point out that what here, what's going on here with the terminology of sonship belongs to men and women, just as much as the concept of being a bride of Christ 
belongs to both men and women, because it has less to do with gender in this case and more to do with our role and the way that we interact. So in this case, because we are adopted as sons, because of, remember, Scripture's written for us, but not to us. It was written to the people of that time who lived in that culture, who understood certain things about the world. And so for for us, we've got to kind of get in that mindset of that first century uh, Middle Eastern person to figure out what's being said. So when he says that we are no longer slaves, but we're sons, it means that we have rights. We have uh, inheritance uh, that, that passes to us, that did not pass to everyone, right? There's a, a special sharing in the relationship of a son that in that time, in that culture, a daughter did not have. So this is not meant to say only men get this. Rather, this is saying that men and women together are adopted as sons, just in the same way that men and women together through the church become the bride of Christ. So uh, that that's an important thing. It's not leaving women out there. It's not, oh, it should say sons and daughters. Well, not really, because by saying sons, they're intoning, St. Paul in this case, is intoning a very specific thing about what that kind of relationship is. And so as we understand the context of the time, then we can better understand what Paul is trying to tell the people. Okay, because remember, right up at the top, he says, brothers and sisters, right, when the fullness of time, and brothers and sisters, you are sons. So there you have it. Uh, that's that's a little bit of, of uh, commentary for, for free there. Now let's go over, and we're going to read out of the breviary. Uh, this, this comes from a letter by St. Athanasius, and I love this reading. Uh, and it, he says this, the apostle tells us, The word took to himself the sons of Abraham, and so had to be like his brothers in all things. He had then to take a body like ours. This explains the fact of Mary's presence. She is to provide him with a body of his own to be offered for our sake. Scripture records her giving birth and says she wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Her breasts, which fed him, were called blessed. Sacrifice was offered because the child was her firstborn. Gabriel used careful and prudent language when he announced his birth. He did not speak of, quote, what will be born in you, close quote, to avoid the impression that a body would be introduced into her womb from the outside. He spoke of what, is bo- what will be born from you, so that we might know by faith that her child originated within her and from her. By taking our nature and offering it in sacrifice, the word was to destroy it completely and then invest it with his own nature. And so prompt the apostle to say, this corruptible body must put on incorruption. This mortal body must put on immortality. This was not done an outward show only, as some have imagined. This is not so. Our Savior truly became man. And from this has followed the salvation of man as a whole. Our salvation is in no way fictitious, nor does it apply only to the body. The salvation of the whole man, that is, of soul and body, has really been achieved in the Word himself. What was born of Mary was therefore human by nature, in accordance with the inspired scriptures. And the body of the Lord was a true body. It was a true body because it was the same as ours. Mary, you see, is our sister, for we are all born from Adam. 
The words of St. John, the word was made flesh, bear the same meaning as we may see from a similar turn of phrase in St. Paul, Christ was made a curse for our sake. Man's body has acquired something great through its communion and union with the word. From being mortal, it has been made immortal. Though it was a living body, it has become a spiritual one. Though it was made from earth, it has passed through the gates of heaven. Even when the Word takes a body from Mary, the Trinity remains a Trinity, with neither increase nor decrease. It is forever perfect. In the Trinity, we acknowledge one Godhead and thus one God. The Father of the Word is proclaimed in the Church. That reading comes from St. Athanasius on the Incarnation. The Word took our nature from Mary. And uh, another place we hear that God became man, that we might become God. There's a sharing that we have through our redemption, through Christ, uh, through our adoption as sons, we now share in the divine life. And we don't do this later, right? This is not something that we achieve pie in the sky at the end of all days. This is something that we begin to participate in now. Remember, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it to the full. Now, it may look a little different than we think. You know, we think of, oh, well, if I'm a sharer in the divine life, I ought to be able to snap my fingers and create a miracle. And hey, I've got a million bucks. But remember, that's not how Christ came. Christ came in in poverty. He came in humility. He came uh, caring for others. So sharing in the divine life might not look as pristine as you want it to. It may not be a comic book uh, miracle. And yet... We, right now, through the sacraments, through the graces that God gives us, we become sharers in that divine life. Uh, Just what an amazing time of year this is that the church gives us all of these things to contemplate. As we have uh, coming to the end of Christmas, as we are uh, celebrating the solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, I want you to contemplate what does it mean for Christ to have sacrificed for you, not just for your redemption, but for your elevation to become a sharer in the divine life. Well, earlier in the show, remember, we talked with Sister Teresa Aletheia. Uh, Check out her blog. We're going to put a link to that on our social media on the Aletheia Network. She is going to be writing a, a, a blog post on Tuesday talking about those examinations of conscience that she talked about. Uh, And maybe that will help us as we try to work out our New Year's resolutions uh, to to look and say, okay, how am I how am I doing? What's my life been like? What do I want it to look like? So we'll put a link to that over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle is at outside the walls. Don't forget today's the last day that you can uh, get a tax deduction for this year by going and becoming a friend of the show. You can do that over at outside the walls.com slash F O T S that's friend of the show, or just going to outside the walls.com and clicking friend of the show up at the top menu. Uh, and that my friends is all the time we have for today. Uh, I I hope that your week is a great one. The last week of the Christmas season. We've got Epiphany coming up next week. Outside the Walls is a co-production of St. Michael Radio and Breadbox Media. Heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming, and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.